Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Quirky Corporate Chicks podcast, where your hosts, Dana Foster and Sherry Hayes, corporate life coaches in private practice. We focus on people who follow their passion and how their lives have been impacted. Real stories, real entrepreneurs, and lots of laughter as we look at where life has taken us. And I am so excited. I have the great <laughs> pleasure of introducing the one and only Justin Jones. How are you well, doing, Justin? Hello, ladies. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for having me on today. It's a treat. Yes, Justin and I have been friends since college. So we've known each other for many years. And yeah. when, we, uh, when Sherry and I decided to kick off this adventure, Justin was literally one of the first people that came to mind, not only for his dashing good looks and wonderful, wonderful voice, but... Um, for everything he's gone through, like he's just really been um, an entrepreneur since his early twenties, and I thought it actually predates. Predates, uh, yes. It goes way back. It just starts out at uh, seven years old. Really, was when I first tapped into my entrepreneurial existence, being energy, and uh, all thanks to my dad, who's a uh, who's an entrepreneur and um, a small business owner, and. Uh, when I was a child, he, uh, we lived on a golf course in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, and we lived on the, I think it was the 14th tee box at a golf course called Bent Creek, and we would get a lot of approach shots into our yard, and uh, they built a fence, and so uh, a lot of guys, when I was Oh, in my younger years, they would come into our yard. So my mom would get woken up in the morning by golfers just outside their master bedroom window, uh, trying to get onto the green. And uh, the, the golf course ended up building a fence. And so a lot of the balls that ended up going into our yard became our property. And so my dad gave me the idea to sell the golf balls back to the golfers. <laughs> and then my mom, uh, and I started, you know, she helped me make cookies. And so I had a little business from like seven to nine years old of selling golf balls, uh, cookies, lemonade. And then my dad worked in promotional, uh, the promotional merchandise industry. And so he'd bring home golf trinkets and accessories with random logos on them. And then I, you know, sell that stuff. So yeah, I was, I was rolling, I was rolling pretty deep. I had a lot of money. Stuff. I love yeah, that. I would sell it back. I'd sell the <laughs> golf balls back to the golfers and, so I started yeah. at a pretty young age, uh, you know, finding opportunities to make money. And uh, yeah, so that's when it started. And then in my 20s, when I left school, uh, I was going to Iowa State. I dropped out of college after my sophomore year uh, to pursue acting and kind of find myself a little bit. So I had some random jobs. I worked at a Mexican restaurant. I was installing sprinkler systems uh, during the summer. I was a irrigation specialist is one of my coworkers uh, termed us <laughs> or an aquanaut or something. I don't know. We had a couple, we had a bunch of names for ourselves. Uh, but yeah, I fell into experiential marketing. And so I'd been a, yeah. uh, essentially a freelancer for 15, 15 years now. So. Yeah. I remember there was a time, uh, just as a random side note, I had reconnected with Justin a couple years after college and I was looking to just pick up some extra cash. And so he'd ask me if I wanted to work a, a promotion with him. Do you remember this, Justin? Was this, was this for the yogurt company? 
No, this was this was the what was it called? I think it was Fieldstone Marketing, and oh, it was the yeah, Biactive yeah. oh, supplements. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so Justin initially says to me, "Oh, damn, I yeah. Why don't you you can come and work with us, work in the booth for a weekend?" And then like I don't know, a a week later, he calls me. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to make the event, but I think you should be the booth manager." And I'm like, right. "What? I'm not, right. I have no idea That's what I'm right. doing." And oh, then. God. Uh, he's like, yeah, you know, you can, I got a couple of people recruited. You can, you can recruit a couple more. I'm like, I, I, I mean, are you sure? And he's right. like, yeah, yeah, you got this. You got this. So anyway, so I go, I do it. Uh, everybody survives. It works out well. And then the company was like, Hey, do you want to keep doing these? And I was like, I mean, it was really good money at the time. So I was like, okay. And I never actually ended up doing one with Justin. You just That's like, so we just, never worked together. You, know, you just fobbed off all your work to, to Dana. Yeah. Totally. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was so random that, that you'd done that to me. I remember being equal parts pissed and excited about it, but it worked out. So it worked out. Yeah. As it, it does. Yeah. Um, and I'm so excited about you cause you finally have your first official movie that you're starring in that's coming out. When is that? Or what is that called? Do you want to share that? It, I do. I do. I, I would like to share it. It is called Christmas at the Chateau. In, oh, uh, sorry, sorry. I have to run one second. My, <laughs> Go get it. My door. It's my. Oh door. fuck! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck is somebody at your door right now? Uh, you know. Well, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep. Stop. We'll keep going. No, we, we can, can keep, keep going. We, we can keep going. Keep going. Yeah. So. Uh, this is good. Uh, yeah. The no, movie. I, the movie. The movie. Christmas at the Chateau. So I. Uh, connected with a guy in uh, St. Joe, Missouri, Jason Hudson. He's a producer, director, and he found me online through my agency in Kansas City. And he was looking at actor reels on the website and he found my reel and uh, found me to be uh, compelling and a good fit for the lead role in his Christmas movie. And so he reached out to me and we uh, had some conversations and I, I got cast uh, about, I think it was in December of last year. And he told me that he wanted to shoot and uh, edit and release a Christmas comedy in a year. And so we started shooting in January of this year, and we're going to have our first screening of Christmas at the Chateau on December 21st in St. Joe, Missouri at the Missouri Theater. So he's actually ahead of schedule, under schedule by uh, a few days. So he will have shot, edited, and released, it's a soft release of the film uh, in less than a year. So it's pretty cool. It's in the vein of you know, your Hallmark or your Lifetime uh, romantic Christmas holiday comedies. And uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I can, get, I can give you the synopsis if you want the synopsis. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's going to be magical. But it's it's going to be magical, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I think we probably want to hear it. We want to watch it more than we, you know, surprise us. I think you should just keep your, yeah, keep, keep in mind Christmas at the Chateau. It will be released on VOD. Uh, holiday season of 2019 so you have to wait another year okay oh, to catch it. But, you know, but if you want to well, see it on the big screen 
you can head to St. Joe, Missouri, uh, December 21st <laughs> to the 23rd at the historic Missouri theater. Wonderful. Wonderful. Tickets on and sale now. <laughs> tickets on sale now. Yes. And you know, you and I, we always have, uh, these deep philosophical thought provoking conversations. Um, and it sounds like this was just like kind of perfect timing because at the beginning of the year, you you were kind of going through a bunch of stuff, but you went yeah. through this this beautiful yeah. transition. Would you would you care the to molting. share a little bit about that? I would. The I molting. would love to talk about this. Yeah, the molting happened. I uh, as I've been single most of my life, and I've done a lot of dating, and I've used a lot of apps and websites, and just a hopeless romantic. I mean, I was I'd watch. That's, a, that's an artist thing. Um, it's an artist thing. I mean, I, yeah, no, I remember as a kid, I would watch love stories. I remember watching Mannequin. And oh my God, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. I mean, I was, <laughs> that movie, I, I, I would cry during that movie. I mean, that was the first time I, I remember watching a movie and going, gosh, I want that. Like I want to fall in love with a mannequin at a department store and I want it to come to life. And so I would inappropriately grab semi-anatomically correct mannequins when I'd go shopping <laughs> with my mother in hopes of them coming to life. This is the truth. <laughs> I would grow mannequins as a kid after watching Mannequin thinking that one of them was going to turn into Kim Cattrall. The, uh, the Grace Slick song, right? She was... <laughs> that was the, the theme tune. <laughs> Oh so I found out at like a really young age that I was a hopeless romantic and I've been one my whole life. And uh, I, unfortunately though, the, the flip side of that being a hopeless romantic, I had never really, uh, I was like too much of a, a coward to really fall in love. Like I wanted it, but I didn't have the courage to let it happen. And so I finally got to a point where I was in a place uh, at 30. I just turned, well, no, I was 35, I'm 36 now. So I was getting ready to turn 36, but it was October of last year. I met somebody and the environment was right. It was perfect. The conditions were there, the environmental conditions for us to fall in love with each other very quickly. And so uh, I felt it, this thing for the first time that I thought I had felt before, but I had it and it, uh, I wasn't afraid of it. And I let it happen. I let it affect me. And uh, it wasn't meant to be. And I had a hard time with that because I thought it was this thing. And I thought it was going to stick around a little bit longer than it did. Uh, so it caused me to, you know, I, because I got so high emotionally, I hit a pretty hard low and it was quick. It was, it was very much a roller coaster uh, experience. So I hit this climax. And then I hit a super low point. Uh, but luckily for me, it was about the time that I had been cast in this film. And so uh, it was the perfect distraction for me. Uh, but it also was challenging because the story, the, uh, the storyline for the film, it is a love story. So uh, oh, God. I had to, you know, essentially fall in love um, with my co-star. And so I had to tap into a lot of these things that I'd recently tapped into, but, you know, it was also kind of a, it was very much a, 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 a hot point, emotional hot point for me. Cause I was still pretty tender and I could feel literally feel like my heart chakra, like still 
mm-hmm. like hurting literally, like it felt like somebody was stabbing me. And so I'd have to revisit this pain, you know, for months as we filmed, we filmed kind of broken up over the course of four months. We, we essentially shot, you know, 20, 25 days of shooting over the course of four months. And so, uh, you know, I'd go, I'd film, come back, uh, had to head back down to St. Joe and film. And over the course of that time, I, you know, became, I really got kind of transferred into a really dark place of, of depression, anxiety, um, you know, some very vague suicidal thoughts, you know, of just, um, you know, just questioning my existence, questioning, like, I mean, it's very, yeah, I went very emo, very fast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So through it all, I, I, I got to a really low point. I, for myself and, uh, it's funny how I just had this moment where I was, it was the last time I was in St. Joe and I was on set and I was in, I had this very challenging scene and it was like eight pages of me. It was the most dialogue I'd ever had to like digest as an actor. And it was about, I don't know, the fourth or fifth take on the scene. And I just had this surge of warmth that came over me. And I don't know, I. You just thought it was going to be okay. I knew it was going to be okay. And this was yeah. towards the end and nobody knew that I was really struggling, but I just had this moment. And then I remember the director uh, I, we did a take and he came to me and he goes, what did you do? And I said, what do you mean? What did I do? He goes, what did you do differently? And I said, I don't, I don't know. Wait, what do you mean? What did I do differently? And, uh, I then like later on that day realized like, I just, you don't know when it's going to come, but sometimes you have these moments in your life where all of a sudden everything that you've been faced with, that you've been struggling with, it all just kind of dissipates and you just have this aha light bulb moment of relief sweet, sweet relief. And you just go, thank God. I made None it. of this existed. None of it was yeah. real. This was literally yeah. all impregnated upon myself by myself. And none of it was real. And some of it is subconsciously driven. Some of it is biologically driven. And from that point on, this energy of and I and I think it came through self-inflicted pain, but you kind of are you're 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 always cooking on the inside. You're 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 there's always some sort of recipe brewing on the inside of you, and you're always making something. And I feel like with the conditions and with the ingredients that life gave me, I was able to cook up a really fucking great rendition of myself. <laughs> through I love that the, analogy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like because you're you're always you're always cooking up a version of you. And sometimes the version of you sucks. Sometimes you put out a shit product. And that's okay. Because the only way you're gonna put out something really good is if you know what shit tastes like. <laughs> well, I think that's the you know, it's interesting that you, the that you bring that up because I think it's someone said to me recently, you know, the gift of impermanence, right? You know, right. because when you, so, somebody said to me years ago when I was in a relationship, you know, and, and I was going through marital counseling and all that, like about, you know, it, it, just because somebody loves you today doesn't mean they're going to love you tomorrow. And I went like, what? 
you know, that, that's horrible. That's a horrendous thought. But actually, it's very freeing because you realize that, like, change is the only constant. And, you, mm -hmm. you know, and if you embrace it and realize that, like, every day is today, then you let go of a lot of expectations of, of, of others and yourself and, um, you know, but it's, I mean, that's tough, right? Because I'm, right. So, I'm so type A. So I think like it has to, everything has to go on right. my timeline and actually, right. you know what? Other people don't live on my timeline. Avocados mm -hmm. are always right every day. Perfect. For avocado test, perfect or guacamole. No, well, I like avocados, avocados are not always perfect. Avocados are not always right. We're all perishable goods. Things are always changing. You just, uh, yeah. you're right. You just have to embrace change. I mean, and it is hard as a type A. It's very challenging. When I think it's important too, you brought up the fact of just how, I think it's important in our day-to-day -day lives that we never really know what's going on in someone's personal life. And so when yeah. they show up at work and maybe they're not themselves or they're not showing up as 100%, that it's important to have compassion for them because mm -hmm. we don't know the story right. that's going on or the story that they've made in your head. I really, right. I love that analogy about like, we're always cooking something up. Cause I like, I, I always talk about what's the narrative, what's the story, yeah. but I, I really love the, uh, the recipe analogy. That's good stuff. And you're a good, and you're a really good cook. Pretty much everything in my life, if I'm going to explain something or compare something, there's, it's always food analogies. If I'm going to like lay something out, I, I just am always, I'm, I just think there are a lot of parallels between like cooking in the culinary world and then life because I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. I no, think it's really it. good. I keep thinking of you Very, as an avocado for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's being reborn. Oh, I, I just love the way he segues from I'm type A to I'm an avocado because I went, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of round and a little bit, you know, <laughs> sweet inside. <laughs> you are. Yeah. And when you're and when you're ready, you're ready. There's <laughs> <laughs> well, a sweet spot. You gotta strike an offline we, conversation. That's <laughs> everybody's uh, got a sweet spot everybody's no, got a sweet spot but you also and so when you and I talked about this a little bit before too like you had said you went through this process of where you just started letting things go and then mm -hmm. it was like you started feeling like more things were flowing to you is that kind of how you explained it or yeah I think that's that's yeah uh, something something to that uh, degree yeah yeah no it was it was weird how, you know, the beginning of the year was, was, uh, you know, being in Minnesota, you know, the winters are ferocious, they're fierce. And it was, uh, a very isolating beginning of 2018 for me. And, uh, you know, I had this film and going into that project, you know, in a lot of, with a lot of internal conflict and pain um, was, was a challenge. And then, uh, you know, I remember at the beginning of the year we had the Super Bowl mm -hmm. was coming in and I had to, I worked for a client at the Super Bowl and I remember doing that and just feeling really hopeless. Like I was just like, wow, this is my life right now. You know, I'm working, I, re I was representing a, a, a chicken company at the Super Bowl and I was escorting a chicken mascot uh, around the streets of Minneapolis 
handing out coupons. And uh, it was just bitter, bitter cold outside. And I was also driving around a, a giant chicken wagon, which was it's got it's like a fiberglass. Where van. are these pictures? Damn I don't, I don't, I didn't really, I didn't take any pictures. I wasn't, I, it wasn't a very I proud, I understand. A very proud time in my life, yeah. but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do to make a buck. And so I was in survival mode and looking back on the year, it's been a, you know, it's always crazy to think back because we are kind of getting towards the tail end of uh, this year. And you, I'm always reflecting in the fall. I always reflect on the year and, it's just amazing when that moment happens, as I talked about that moment of relief, when things just kind of dissolve and dissipate and you know things are going to get better. That moment happened. And from that point on, every day, I just let go a little bit more. And it's amazing when you let go and you embrace, as you said, Sherry, the idea of change is constant. Because we resist it. And the more we resist change, the idea, the concept, and its um, relationship to us in life, it all, it, it, it's just, it's so equalizing and it feels so good. And it's such a sweet relief when you embrace it you, and you realize that it isn't your enemy. Change isn't the boogeyman. Stop fighting it. It's not a threat. It actually is a, is a great asset and it's a great ally change. And so when you see it as a friend versus a foe, um, it's the anxiety goes away. The depression goes away. The doom goes away. The gloom goes away. Most days, even the cloudiest of days are brighter when you just, you know, you know, there are constants in your life. And, and you can have those things as your, you know, your foundation or your security blanket, but realizing that like most elements that we come into contact with every day are going to change. There's going to be variations and, you know, it's okay if we're not, you know, carbon copying every single thing, every single day, because where's the, where's the pleasure in that? You know, a lot of the good stuff comes in the fabric of change. A lot of the good things in life. So I think it's a great point. And yeah. in, in the sense of, you know, when you look at sort of, you don't know the timeline of your life, right? Right. You know, cause we don't, well, I don't have a, you know, a crystal ball, but to see, you know, when I work with clients and, and, you know, Dana, I would love for you to chime in on this when I'm finished, but just um, people say like, but I did this, 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 and this, and I should have gotten this. And I've said, well, you know, just because you did everything the way that you thought it would work out doesn't mean that it's actually going to work out that way. And like, you know, I take that advice as as much as I give it. But um, I think that's such a huge kind of component in terms of how people deal with things. Like they think if I act a certain way, then I will get the result. result. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Dana, yes. Oh, yeah, no, I think, um, (laughs) yes. Um, Yeah, I think that it's letting go of outcomes is like one of the biggest things. It's so damn hard. I think, you know, we kind of, we in this group have similar personalities where 
you know, we're super aggressive. We set forth this path. And then just knowing that we don't, A, have control over people. We don't ultimately really have control over the outcome. We can have influence, which I think is important because some people are like, oh, well, does that mean that I'm not supposed to do anything and it'll just like happen? No, like you need to take, you need to take steps. You need to continue to be in motion towards whatever goal you want to achieve. And I think that it is important. One thing I've really realized uh, for myself here recently is that everybody's on this mission to find their purpose, right? And that you don't always know exactly what your purpose is, but when you set goals for yourself and those goals can be really small from like, Hey, I'm just going to try and work out three times a week and be healthier to, I'm going to start my own business to, I want to buy a house, whatever that is. They can vary, but each one of those goals gives you purpose. And then you just keep working towards those. And then just being detached from if one of those steps doesn't feel right, that you just pivot and then make another step and you keep, you just keep moving forward. That's the important thing. Cause I think sometimes, what do they say? Analysis to paralysis when you're thinking yeah, about analysis, paralysis, paralysis, yeah. Yeah, analysis, yeah. Analysis, yeah. that, you know, you start thinking about all the what ifs and the fear of taking the wrong misstep and then you just stop taking steps and then everything stops. And I think that like, even Justin for you, right? Like when you were kind of in this, this darker place at the beginning of the year that it seemed difficult to take steps forward and yeah. keep going out there. Cause that's, I mean, that's the other thing too, where, you know, I really admire you because like for all these years, you've basically, I mean, I, I think you do have an agent or whatever that you work with, but a lot of the, most of the work that you find or that you get was things that you went out there and seeked yeah. and every, you know, yeah. every day you're out there, digging up new business and having to stay motivated. I mean, I feel like that would be a really good thing to discuss too, is like, how do you stay motivated all the time? All the time. I like, I mean, it's so much energy to, it's so much energy. You're constant. I I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I really don't (laughs) know what I'm doing, but the, the thing that, you know, is constant within me is that I know that there's more. I know that, there's more today. I know that there's more tomorrow. And so, you know, I think that I, I'm a, um, I'm a treasure hunter by, uh, (laughs) internally. I just, I love the idea of uncovering truth and finding, um, truth in things. And so for me, there's this appetite, this hunger of finding, uh, truth within the pursuit of what I'm doing. And so uh, I don't know what my next job is going to be, but I know that there's a next job. There's always a next job. And yeah. not I, everyone sees that. Not everyone sees that. And so it's like, there's always, uh, there's always going to be an opportunity to have a great meal. There's always going to be another opportunity to have a great glass of wine. There's always going to be another opportunity to have a great conversation or make a new friend, or have really great sex. So, <laughs> love it. Right? Love it. <laughs> like, so I, for me, I think I might have a little crush on Justin. So I need right? to <laughs> say like, yeah. there's. So I just, I know that like you might have to like I'm gonna have some mediocre glasses of wine, and you're gonna have some mediocre connections, and you don't know when your next great meal is gonna be, but you know in your head that there is a next great meal coming. 
And so be patient. Patience is the big brother to wisdom. My great aunt, Marcella Warnicket would always tell me that. And we've become very impatient as a society and we need to be more patient with ourselves and our pursuit uh, for the things that we want in our life, whether it's our purpose, our goals, whatever our passion is. We just need to be more patient with what we want and be patient with the people that we have in our lives. And if we can exercise patience and you can exercise patience, you will get what you want. It's that simple. I think as an entrepreneur too, like one thing that we have heard in all the podcasts that we've done is to accept where you are at the moment yep. and to not fight sort of, you know, cause, cause we all want to think like 18, 20 months, you know, five years ahead. And I, you know, I hate that, you know, in the corporate world, when you interview and people say like, what do you see yourself in five years? I said, I don't know where I'm going to see myself tomorrow because life changes in a day. Like, I don't think that's a fair question. And but as entrepreneurs, you know, you, every day is a new day to kind of reinvent yourself. Right. Actually, as a human, every day is, is a new day to reinvent yourself. So. Yeah. And I hate that. I, I struggle always with that, that five-year uh, question as well. Yeah. But I, I have come to, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Because when you do have that bigger goal, then it helps to keep you on track when you're having the bad days. And you're like, what am I trying to do again? And then you remember what that, like that big dream is. And then it can like help motivate you or ground you again and just be like, today was one bad day. And I think like, so some of the things that I took away from Justin today is, and it's kind of scary too. It's like the higher the high and you, yeah, you expand your emotional ability to feel those things bandwidth thank you thank you dear uh bandwidth is that you're you're also and it goes both ways like when you hit a a new low that just means that your high got even that much that much bigger and that like that's just natural like everybody goes through the highs and lows i mean that's something else that that every uh person that we've spoken to has said like yeah, there's really high highs and there's really low lows. And it's just interesting to hear how each person yeah. copes with that and, and how they keep going with it. But no, and real quick, if I can just chime in real quick about what you're about, what you're talking about, the emotional bandwidth thing, the highs and the lows, we focus so much on really great highs Yeah, mm-hmm. that I think sometimes maybe it's important to put a little more emphasis on really not hitting a low purposefully, but saying, you know what, what's the worst case scenario? Oh, it's a bad worst case scenario. Well, if it doesn't involve death, maybe try it. Maybe let yourself fail epically. Yeah. But we focus on that on the podcast. Actually, I think Dan, am I correct? I mean, that's what Mm -hmm. we focus on the real stories. You know, a lot of people love to hear about, you know, every entrepreneur has a great story who's yeah, famous, the successes, but actually right. yeah. like they forget about like the 95 other ideas that they've tried. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and you really, you're only going to go so high if you know, you've only gone so low. So mm-hmm. if you, if you want that big epic, you know, celebration, whatever the thing is, that big heightened state of success you're really never going to get there if you don't know what, you know, dirt tastes like. So (laughs) dig a hole, bury yourself in it and snack on a few grub worms or something. 
see where you go Un- unearth yourself and see where you go yeah yeah i think it's more like i don't know if you, that you have to go there but don't be afraid to go there don't That's be afraid to go there yeah. yeah you don't have to yeah. purposely go there but if you find yourself <laughs> yeah if you find yourself in a in a really low place don't be afraid of it embrace it and and it's never it's not permanent it's not permanent change yeah. happens every day things will change You've been amazing, Justin. I'm so grateful that you were able to get on with us this morning. And um, I feel like there's some good nuggets in there. So there's something. Yeah, there's something. There's (laughs) something in there. Uh, So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Sherry. Tune in in for next time. Thank you. Appreciate you all. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.